Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Hello and welcome back to Watchman Talk, our conversation with uh, former Prime Minister, Defense Minister, Chief of Staff, and several other top positions, Ehud Barak. Welcome. In our uh, first conversation, uh, we talked about your youth and uh, how you got to uh, the uh, most elite unit of the Israeli Defense Forces, Sayeret Matkal. You were accepted because of uh, several skills, not uh, always yeah. attributed to soldiers. And during your time uh, in this unit uh, for that period of uh, 10, 13 years, you came up through the ranks and eventually led the unit. What have you been doing uh, in that period of early 60s and then early 70s uh, for the intelligence corps? Look, for uh, the unit at the time that I uh, joined it, was not the elite unit, it was something paria. No one knew about it. It was uh, not far from Tel Aviv, half an hour, but it was uh, something quite bizarre. Follow tradition of some uh, special forces unit within the underground of the Haganah, Palmar, called uh, Mr. Vim or whatever. Yeah, there, there were some. Those who nostalgia. Look, those who look like Arabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it was not really, it was not professional. It was like partisans. We, we, we used to read about Mumish Uli and uh, the Panpilov people from, and, and, and the, mainly the SAS, the major phantom of Virginia Cowles, I still remember the name, some, some read, uh, wrote a, a book about Sterling in the uh, Western Desert, we try to form a unit based on their example. And uh, we didn't have any operations and didn't draw attention. No one took us seriously. And the reason was that, as you have mentioned, after 56, and in certain areas, if not after 54, there was a tendency not to not to challenge the borders. Let, let me elaborate and, uh, for a uh, moment. Um, there was an incident which you are uh, alluding to um, in Syria, where a group of soldiers on an intelligence mission was uncovered. And after that, for uh, several years, there was no bugging operation, to put it uh, simply. Yeah. Um, the uh, Israeli military decided that it was too risky to penetrate behind the border it, it's and try a, it's to It's not a military. Military tried to, to, to do it, but it was Ben-Gurion. Ben-Gurion was shocked because uh, this group that was caught during operation, they were set in, in um, Damascus, it's a prison, they were past terrible torturing, and one of the soldiers who happened to be a member, a, a son of a kibbutznik from a neighboring kibbutz to ours, uh, was the son of a member of Knesset, a, a woman which belonged to the Ben-Gurion movement in a way, or some close uh, affiliation. And it was a trauma to everyone. Wow, it's, uh, these are serious things. It could end up with a scandal, with national uh, implications that, that uh, 
should be avoided at almost any price. So we were a soldier in a period where we hardly were allowed to cross the border. If we were given this opportunity once in a year, it was in the most remote places, nothing, no enemy, no nothing, just in empty areas. But then, then Major General Meir Amit yeah. uh, became the director of military intelligence, later of Mossad, and he reestablished this practice. Yeah. So he uh, fought for, for having operations. The question, I, I believe you probably explained in another conversation with others, the problem of Israel that because we have to develop and we need all the people, we're a very small uh, country, we needed, the, the basic co- concept was that we have a small regular army, mainly uh, Air Force, and intelligence and small other units, the real power of the IDF is in reserve. They are working every day to push on, move on the the whole economy. Once there is an early warning from the intelligence, we have the Air Force ready to respond within hours, but within 24, 36 hours, we deploy the whole force and respond. So it made the whole, the whole, basic concept how to defend Israel based and dependent upon early warning. And this was something that came to a test when I was still in this uh, remote uh, remote unit of uh, armored uh, um, infantry. Uh, at a case where, where our, uh, our head of intelligence, the, the father of the present, uh, present uh, president and, and the future ambassador to, to Washington, he met in a cocktail, and the, the head of the CIA station uh, station here told him on a, on a glass, do you know that two Egyptian divisions entered into China? There was a shock, and uh, this is February so, of 1960. Yeah, and that that sent a, a shockwave through the whole system. Something had to be changed. We have to have these. Uh, intelligence that will give us... Early. Actually, it's an intelligence tripwire alerting you yeah, that, that something... something... Something happens, yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, we got the job to try to answer it, and it started with... Uh, with uh, we made an uh, experiment in Lebanon to show that we can go behind the 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 border of a neighboring country and do something that is needed and, and come back. And I was deputy commander of this uh, operation. Then when the time came to do a real operation in Syria, the Golan Heights, very close to the place where this uh, squad uh, some eight years ago uh, was uh, caught, um, I, I had to command it with a group of young soldiers that I get under my command just three weeks before. And you were a lieutenant? I was second lieutenant. Second lieutenant. Um, I was just a few months after uh, after officer's uh, course, but I went to officer course and at very late stage toward my... So I was basically quite experienced in, in what I tried to do, but we never had an operation. So we... Planned it today, uh, we went there. We faced uh, a lot of problems along the way. And um, we had to cross a river, one of the branches of the origins of the Jordan River. 
And to our surprise, it was the end of the summer. It, there was a strong stream, much stronger than we assessed. And we had only some um, light uh, ropes, the, the, the wires of a parachute. Very thin, but it's very strong, very thin. So we could not even cross effectively. We tried at the end, we couldn't find a place to cross. And it took a lot of time. Then we find ourselves stuck. We had to bypass a, a major, major Syrian installation in Banyas. So we tried to bypass to, to And it happened that they had ambushes out of the place. So it, first I thought it's probably some, I don't know, um, uh, Khazirim. Uh, uh, Boars. Boars, wild boars. It was a, a sleeping ambush, but we were <laughs> 10 meters from it. And suddenly the, uh, we had a small, modern at the time, a Motorola, but without squelch. There was no squelch, so it shot. The uh, command post back in Israel uh, remind you that it's the last time you you. Uh, this is this is uh, overnight where you have to be back before dawn. Yeah, yeah, always. It was one night operation. I had to go to certain place to do my mission and to come back, and there was last time that was calculated about uh, how much time it takes you to go point of no return. Uh, point of no return, and they uh, start to say that uh, it's time to uh, go back. But we were. <laughs> few meters, if they repeat it, it will be, <laughs> we might uh, open in the open fire and find ourselves in quite... It's a wake-up call. Yeah. So uh, I told the officer who held it, my deputy, clo- closed it. Closed, they shut it. And I didn't wake it up because I, I knew what they will demand the moment we pulled out of them and tried wider, wider uh, bypass. And I calculated, if I will try now to explain to people, simple people, uh, Avram Yoffe, the only- Commanding only, general of the Northern Command. Only general-looking uh, Israeli officer. And um, the commander of the unit, and uh, Arli Arif, probably the head of uh, intelligence. They were all in the same place. If I try to explain them, it won't work. They won't take the risk. They hardly approved this, this uh, operation. It was, you know, uh, several kilometers penetration, probably five, six kilometers behind the line. Before I went there, the chief of staff called me. He wanted to see me personally. So, and I remember I spent with him at 20 minutes in a car on the way to the north, uh, having to describe to him what, what are we going to do. And this how, is Rabin or his predecessor? No, it's Chera. He wanted to see me. And I remember when I left him, I thought, what the hell was this? It's, he was sitting beside me, and there was a driver three in the cabin of it. I my uh, my uh, answer was that he's not really interested in <laughs> what we are doing. He wanted to look and to become sure that I know what what I'm doing. But what kind of advice he could give me about it? Why why should he feel okay? But that was the atmosphere of a great tension. So if I try now to explain. It wanted that they will order go go back. So I knew why we spent so much time. We didn't find find a place. We had to go very slow because 
we didn't want to go on an ambush and we have very limited uh, sight, only uh, big caliber binoculars, no, no FLIR, no, no uh, night uh, sight uh, tools at the time. And I calculated that I can come back. So we continued. We, I completed the operation and on the way back reported that I am here, it's over, and we will be on time. One, one should mention that the whole idea is not to open fire on the ambush, because if you are discovered, they will yeah, understand yeah. what the mission was, yeah, and they yeah. will wait for yeah, other yeah. missions. Yeah, no, it, and it will cancel the mission. So the whole idea is that we have to evade, evade any kind of meeting. And you know, it's, uh, after this event, there was a... Uh, there was great sight, you know, the Meramit uh, waited uh, to me with Avarnan beyond the, the big uh, boulders that um, signaled the, the border. And we, we came ba basically at light. It was already light, but we sneaked uh, out of Syria. There was great enthusiasm. It uh, was uh, something that hadn't been done. For and, but I faced two things. It was proof of concept. Yeah, proof, proof of capability and convincing. I remember on Mayor Amit's face, I, I noticed that he's more satisfied, not just from what happened, from what it means for the next. Now he will come back and say, I've told you, we need Israel, because there were experiments to do the same with Druze, with agents, with some criminals that we had from, from the Arab side in our prisons, and it's always failed. And uh, here comes something, it's great, so now he will have better leverage to uh, grab the permission for other operations. But there was a cloud, because on the way to the north, the commander of the northern command demanded to put me to um, court-martial for two things. One, that I closed the, uh, radio. the radio, how dare I? And the second is that on the way, because we were short of fuel, we visited his um, headquarters in, in Nazareth to get the, the uh, final briefing from the commander. So we saw a lovely uh, hunting jeep he had. Instead of horses, he, he loved to hunt, and he has well-equipped jeep with two jerrycans. So I looked aside, I asked another officer to keep an eye. We picked uh, the jerrycans and move them to our... The lock picker again. Yeah, yeah. So this uh, juvenile uh, delinquency, he so deserved it. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, the, the day after, we got a, ten, a box with 10 uh, bottles of champagne from the chief of staff, the one who interrogated me 20 minutes in the drive from, from, from the headquarters to Natania. Did you drink at the time? No, no, not really. But he, he sent a, a, a small piece of paper writing, that's uh, 12 bottles of champagne for the success of the operation. Uh, two were um, uh, taken off, taken off uh, to educate uh, Second Lieutenant Brog, that was my name there, to uh, keep the communication open, something like that. So it was uh, very successful, and I got even uh, my first kind of uh, tzalash, it's kind of... Uh, award. 
award for this, a special... Mentioned in this purchase. Yeah, but I was very critical. I had questions. For me, it sent something on the verge of a, a debacle, of a blunder. Why the hell I, I, I settled with only one flight in a, a light airplane over the area to look at the area? Why didn't we put 10 flights by there? Probably it would, but something that will be look. It could be planned to make more Routine. than one or, or to, to try to watch part of the uh, way. Why, why didn't we went a few kilometers down the stream to check the, the stream? Probably we at least would have known that there is a strong stream. We would take a, a stronger, a, a kind of bigger diameter rope that you can hold and cross a, a, a stream. So the famous planning of the Israeli Defense Forces no, turned no, out to be time, improvised. No, no, yeah, we had a long way. You know, I told you not accidentally. We were still, we were very amateurish at the beginning. And we learned along the way. So I asked myself, why the hell I couldn't navigate further from this? From Take into account that probably they made an ambush 100 meters outside the, the it's not something unheard of. So I had a lot of criticism of myself, but I became determined. I understood that you, it's, it's, it's a very close to major achievement, but we have to dramatically improve. Let, let me jump ahead uh, because we can talk yeah. for many hours. Um, later on, you, uh, your unit and you personally um, much improved, including with the help of helicopters um, in, in various uh, places. But what lesson did you take from what you say to the time when you were first the commander of this unit and later a general when young officers tell you, count on us, we know better than you at headquarters? Yeah, it's, uh, first of all, I learned that, that we, we have to, to really to be professional, to work on it systematically. It included two elements. One is to prepare much better, to ask yourself in advance what could happen, but to, to almost literally to describe a, a tree of what could happen and try to answer everything there and to exercise what needed. And then to have a very open, almost painful debriefing process where everyone, everyone starts from talking about his own mistakes and then about remarks he had to other and general, to develop this culture that uses everything with even the most successful uh, operation. I learned it that the first one had many, many defects that you can find in retrospect. And you have a commitment. You have to develop a commitment, a common commitment to improve. And we did it along years. And I remember after the fifth or fourth or fifth uh, operation of this time, all of them in the Golan Heights, Meramit came to, to our unit, brought together the officers and told them proudly, you know, you now completed five successful operations. You now, you can afford a failure now. And I tried to read what he means. I didn't read it that he invites a failure, of course, but he basically tried to signal us you can be more daring. We, the, 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 the general headquarters, we can afford not being successful everywhere if that's the price of making better, better intelligence, better early on, and so on. And the reality is that over 40 or 50 years, we completed many hundreds of operations 
and was hardly a real failure probably once, and two or three close calls. And there was one very recently after another kind of decade, two decades. In Khan Yunus and Gaza. Yeah, it's a, so basically it's very tight dispute. Uh, Secondly, I understood it's, the title armed forces, it's not the same. This, there's always an edge to, to uh, special forces in the, on the ground, in the sea, uh, uh, 13, naval, uh, commandos. naval commandos, and even the fighting um, squadrons of the Air Force, where you are really on your toes because you understand the slightest mistake can... Uh, but when, when you were director of military intelligence uh, in charge of this unit, or later chief of staff, or later defense... Well, I can unit. tell you. You know, I, I get, uh, along years, I developed a feeling that this kind of unit has to re make, make it being reborn every 10 years because we are working against an active enemy. They learn from small partial failures or from accidentally. They find what we are doing, they understand it, and they try to block us. So it comes a match of uh, competencies, and at a certain point it, it came to, to, to halt, almost a halt. You cannot do what you need to do. Because of and the friction. Need, but yeah. but who, is, who is the worst enemy? A regular army or Hezbollah or a similar no, militia? No, no, no. In, in this regard, it was basically it was the armies and their counter-intelligence operations. So I remember more than once. I remember once with one of my successors, Amiram Levine, seeing him trying to do something that we never tried. I was quite skeptical. He succeeded. Then was Nehemia Tamari, he came, he tried another, in another place where we were blocked to break it. And I did it myself once or twice, uh, breaking the whole, I remember sitting in front of Barlev as, as a chief of staff, and I showed him something we, we wanted to do. And he said, this is, uh, this whole concept is standing on a, we have a, a on uh, chicken legs, something very... Could uh, collapse major. very easily. Yeah, and it took us almost nine months to convince him that we can do. And I remember Bogi Yalon, when I was already head of military retention, or probably head of... Uh, yeah, deputy chief of staff. Or deputy... Uh, uh, he came with some crazy idea of how to to break a, a deadlock with, with our opponents. And I did not believe that it's possible. But being former head of this unit, I cannot afford showing this uh, rigid, rigid mind that had been senile already. So I shallantly told him, go ahead, do it. Was sure that he would succeed. He came after half a year and invited me to see a simulation still of, of the operation I was shocked by what they, and I, I, I spent my own life then. So there is a need to, to re, re, recreate yourself from, from scratch every 10 years. Not all of this is relevant to the army. Army is a very complicated organization. Uh, in, you know. in our uh, third and last part, we will go into other operations and other positions. But just to close this particular conversation, 
At one time, uh, you came to uh, Mayor Amit, or even his successor, as chief of the Mossad, and suggested that you move to Mossad, but you were told that, yeah. that you, were, you were a wonderful uh, commander of such units, but you would not fit in with Mossad. What, yeah. what was the reason? It's, uh, I, after five years in the army, I left. I decided to leave. Without the, the uh, Six Days War, I probably would become a scientist. I went to study science, mathematics, physics. And um, when, when I um, kind of consider going what to do, I thought of, um, of uh, joining the Mossad for, let's say, seven, eight years when I was still young. And I asked him. I asked him. I knew him personally. So he looked at me and told me, look, you are well into, you have already some assets, you have uh, reputation. Reputation. You, you accomplished things that, that people did not accomplish before then. And if I put you, you, you should go back to the boot camp. You are, you are, not, you are not there. We can never tell that you uh, were born in, in the, in the English-speaking uh, place. We had to always to build a background from Colombia or El Salvador for you, something bizarre. And you will start from the beginning. Okay, I heard that you know to look. That's not enough here. So he convinced me not, not to. And I told me, I'm ready to sacrifice several years. And I like the adventure. I went to the university. After the, uh, the, the Six Days War caught me in the middle of, of it. Studies here in Jerusalem. Studies in Jerusalem. And even during my studies, before the war, I was invited every winter to participate in operations that has to do something with previous operations. that we, And... Um, but I decided after the war, especially after the, our flagship was uh, sank by, by uh, Egyptian, uh, Egyptian uh, missile, and it, it became clear that it's not over. We are still in war. It's okay, it was great success, but we're still at war. I decided to, 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 uh, to come back. So I came back to the um, Entrance to Baku to the the the, the uh, so they, accession. Uh, they check you physically to make sure that you didn't get some disease, and now you go to to lean on the army to hold you. And they found it. They say they said you still have one year. You can go to a pilot course because I became more <laughs> more like. And I told them, you know, I now can admit I would have been a mediocre pilot, and you got quite good uh, commando officer. Let me continue there. El Barak, uh, incredible story. We will uh, stop here our second uh, conversation, and we will shortly resume it with a third part. In the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.